Hey, good morning, Christ Fellowship. How's everybody doing? So good to see you and to be together today. If you would, open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. That'll be kind of where we'll jump off into this message today. But before I do that, I do want to give a shout out to, uh, it's TCU homecoming this weekend, right? And uh, we might, I don't know if we do, we, I, well, I know we have some parents in the room, and so if there's parents here, welcome, we're glad you're here, and uh, love our Horn Frog uh, students and friends, yeah, amen. So let's read this together, 1 John chapter 9, verses, excuse me, 9, there's not, that's a test, <laughs> there's uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, there we go, okay, this, Lord, bless the reading of your word today. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Amen. Lord, bless the reading of your word. Okay, so we are in part two of a four-part series that we're doing with dozens of other churches in the city. Isn't that awesome? I, I love that whole thing of participating. Like, there's one church in the city, and there's all these different congregations. And so there's, like, this is one church with all these different people and all these different life groups, you know, but that's we're a part of a bigger thing called the church in Fort Worth, and that's awesome. And so we're doing this series together. We got the idea back in January, <clears throat> and we're doing this series together and thought, hey, we want to do something for unity in the body. We want to build up marriages in the church. We want to also invite people in that may not, you know, have what's God got to say about marriage. And I want to even just pull in, we've got lots of single folks, unmarried, all that kind of thing, and just go, you know, this isn't just about marriages, it's about relationships as well. And I'll, I'll make those points as we go through here. But last week, we kicked the series off, and somebody told me, can I see an outline real quick? Somebody told me that... Uh, Yes, so the title is, that's from last week, the, the title is actually, What Do I Do When the Feelings Change? Okay, what do I do? You can write that down. What do I do when the feelings change? And last week, everything on the outline is fine, it's after the title, but, uh, but last week we talked about, does marriage really matter? And we talked about marriage in the image of God, that God wants to express love, marriage reveals his love to us, marriage reveals his heart of humility through the incarnation. Marriage reveals commitment and covenant and devotion and fidelity, all those kinds of things. And this week, what do I do when the feelings change? All right? So that's what we're looking at. 40% of American married couples say that they're unhappy. That's a bummer. You know, minor chord here, you know, maybe three or four in a row. You know, that's, that's a bummer. And we don't want that. We want to... Uh, something deeper. We want to see something deeper happening. And the question about what do I do when the feelings change is complicated if you're hurting. If you, when you're really going through a hard time in a relationship or in a marriage, you know, it's one thing to go, well, I know the answer to that. You da 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 da, da right? Well, it's not that easy when you're actually in the middle of it, right? It's, it's hard when you're in the middle of pain. You're going through a hard time. And it's hard to think clearly. And yet, what I'm going to be saying over and over again this morning is, 
when the feelings change, we have to have something deeper. We have to have something deeper in our lives, a deeper foundation than what I'm feeling on the surface. Does that make sense? We've got to. We've got to believe truth, the truth as it really is, versus what I'm feeling in the moment. Truth versus lies, that kind of thing. Now, part of the problem is uh, I'm complicated, and you're complicated, and we are complicated. Let's just maybe say that we are complicated, and it's for all kinds of reasons. People don't want to admit it. It's for all kinds of reasons, though. We're complicated because we've been hurt in the past. There's wounds that have happened in our lives, and over time, those things, they uh, if they're not dealt with, they kind of don't go away. I was with my dad for dinner last week. They'd come through from Alabama, and we got talking. I, he was talking about the health of our relationship with our kids, and that made him think about his dad. My dad starts breaking down at the, at the table, and he's 76. He said, Jamie, at 76, I want you to know these things don't get easier. It's still there. All that stuff with his dad, you know, some physical stuff and all that kind of thing, and it was just, it was hard. And so we're complicated. Down on the inside of us, we are complicated. And we, in addition to just being complicated from the pains and wounds and things, over time in our relationships, we develop habits. Now, some of those are kind of of the light nature. Some of those are kind of of the heavier nature. Kim, for years, would, this would be maybe a lighter version of, of habits. And she would grab my hand and walk me through the house and take me into the kitchen and say, now, Jamie, what do you see? I, I see eight open cabinets. And she, she said, right, eight open cabinets. And we've talked about this before. I, I know we have talked about it before. I'm sorry. And go shut the cabinets. And, you know, so that's a lighter one. And it's, it's, it's kind of strange because I do catch myself. I do catch myself. I'll be walking out of the kitchen sometimes and look around and go, oh, let me shut some of those. You know, the cabinets, and it's, it's working, sort of. 30, we're in our 31st year of working on it. That's a lighter one. But there's other ones, though, that are much, you know, where we get on each other's nerves, we do something that's just, just hurting the relationship. So habits are a big deal. And in addition to habits, what ha also happens is we start to get to know ourselves in a deeper way. We get to know our spouse in a deeper way. When you when you're standing there, you, you, getting married, you know them at a certain level. But over time, in marriage and in deep relationships, you get to know each other at a much deeper level. And so to make this point, I'm actually going to get a little help from a pastor in Georgia named Andy Stanley. He's going to help this. Y'all watch this. We start getting to know ourselves. We start getting to know our spouse over time, our these significant relationships that we have, and we see these different things, and we go through hard times. And, you know, sometimes feelings change, and we have to have something deeper when we, do, when we go through those times. One of the things I did in preparation for this message this week was to uh, do the man-on-the-street interview with some friends, just different people that say, hey, what do you do when the feelings change? And uh, this is one of the answers that I thought was really profound, and everybody's answer, if, if I asked you, it was profound, okay? Um, just want to make, make sure that the, this is not a rating, a rating of the answers given. But I was talking with somebody, and they said, one of the most important things, I think, is adapting to the changing person that we married. 
Okay, so you're standing there at the altar, you're nervous, you're in love, you know, and then, and then this person, this person grows and matures. And she's, she's the same person, but she's grown, matured. And hopefully, I, I've grown and matured and become more like Jesus, hopefully, right? Along the way, the journey. But can we adapt to the changes along the way? That's a huge piece of this whole thing. And the bottom line, what I'm saying is, it's got to be, where we go has to be a deeper place than our feelings, right? And so if I want to take this to the next level, then I'm going to say, hey, guys, we want to we wanna look to Jesus. We want to look to Jesus. That's what Christ Fellowship's all about. We want to look to Jesus because Jesus so wants to speak into our relationships and our marriages. And he speaks. He really does. He speaks through the word, but he, he will speak to you. He will give you just next steps if you'll ask him. He is the one, Colossians 2 verses 3 and 4 says that, that there was a mystery about God, but it's been revealed in Jesus Christ. Okay, and he is the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Isn't that awesome? So, so if you want to, like, Lord Jesus, what's my next step in this marriage? What's my next step in this relationship where I'm having some struggles? How do we walk through this thing? When we were, uh, the kids were little, we taught them, we had a little thing we said before bedtime. And it was always do what Jesus says no matter what. And we had a little song kind of thing. Oh, Jesus said, no matter what, you know, and it was kind of enthusiastic getting them to think in the right way about following Jesus. And when you're going through changing times, you need something solid like the word of Jesus, right? And so what you find when you go to Jesus is a deeper love that's deeper than my thoughts, it's deeper than my feelings, what I want at a particular time, and that's how we want to build relationships and marriages, right? So here's the main thing. We need to build marriages and relationships with the deeper love that God reveals in Jesus Christ so that we can make it through changing times. And so let's look at these couple of points just briefly this morning. First of all, God's deeper love is a cross-shaped love. I want to read the full passage, the whole paragraph that I didn't read a minute ago. I'll start in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, that we might live. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So, What's happening here is that, is that John's reflecting on this many years later, and he's saying God is love, and God shows us what real love looks like. It looks like Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross for the sins of the world. Okay, that's what real love is. That's the definition of love. This is love, and this is what it looks like. So how do we apply that kind of love in our marriages? What does it look like? For me to lay down my life for Kim, what does it look like for her to lay down her life for me? That's the question. That's the cross-shaped love. That's what that love looks like. Now, 
think about it like this. We as a church, we are engaged in the mission of God. We're a missional church. We, you know, church planting, making disciples, multiplying life groups, multiplying the church, all of that kind of stuff. But we want to be people that aren't just sharing the love of God out there. We want to be people that are sharing the love of God, the cross-shaped love in the most important relationships that we have in life. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't want to go somewhere else to try to tell somebody about the cross-shaped love of God if I'm not applying that right here in my most important relationships, in marriage, in friendship, in the church. We are supposed to. God wants us to be known by love for one another, loving one another. So cross-shaped love. Now, what happens is there's different ways that we short-circuit this, and one of them is blaming. I can't blame somebody. I can't blame somebody and love them at the same time. It short-circuits the whole process of moving forward. We just kind of go, when I'm blaming somebody else. Does that make sense? It's kind of like, it's kind of like, trying to judge somebody and love them with God's love. It won't work. I can't judge somebody in my own judgments and love them with God's love. It's like I'm living from the wrong tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil versus God loving the whole world. Did you know that he loves everybody? The cross is a picture of his love for you and everybody here and everybody on planet Earth. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, you know. So he, he wants, he, so if I think about Kim and we get into a hard time, me not judging her about that, but remembering that God loves her with a cross-shaped love means that she has unsurpassable value before God. And everybody that you'll ever meet, your spouse, your friends, people that you're seeing at school, whatever, everybody that you'll ever meet has unsurpassable value before God. That's how he really feels. And though we're tempted to judge them, though we're tempted to blame them, they actually are loved by God with an infinite, nonstop, never-ending Niagara kind of love that can never be ceased. That's, that's the love of God at work. And that's the love that he wants flowing through us. And it means turning off the judgment, getting off the throne, and stepping into the flow of God's love so that that love can be given to the people around us. Sound like a good plan? Okay, so that's the first piece, is God's deeper love is a, is a cross-shaped love. The second piece is that the deeper love is an other-centered love. So turn to the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, sandwiched in between some teaching by Paul on the body of Christ and spiritual gifts. And he's highlighting that love in the middle of all this is the key. If you don't have love, then you're missing it. You could be, you could be speaking tongues of men and angels. You could fathom all mysteries and knowledge. You could exercise your martyrdom gift, which, by the way, can only be exercised one time. It's a one-time gift. <laughs> Give your body to the flames. And then he says... This, love is patient, love is kind. We need this love in our lives. He says it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, 
always perseveres. Love never fails. So this is the other-centered kind of love that we're talking about. And this kind of love, the Bible, the Bible word is agape. Have you ever heard that? It's a Greek lesson this morning. Agape. And agape means not, it's something deeper than physical affection. It's something deeper than a brotherly kind of love, you know, between two guys that are really great friends. It's, it's deeper than that. It's self-giving, other-centered, willing to die for love that's deeply affectionate. That's agape. So th- let's read that passage again. But this time, let's think about marriage and what would happen in marriages and in relationships if this was the way the love was being expressed. That this kind of other-centered, willing-to-die-for love, this kind of love is patient. That means it's long-suffering. It means it's hanging in there. It's not turning around and leaving, but it's turning toward and, and turning toward and turning toward and staying and coming and continuing to come back like God's love for us. He's not left you. He's not leaving and he's not ever going to. He's coming. This is the good news that when you were and I, when we were lost, enemies in our minds to God, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Jesus Christ dying for us. So long suffering, this kind of love. In marriages and relationships, it's kind, this other-centered, willing-to-die-for love. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. What would happen in marriages and relationships if we just had love that wasn't proud? (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. I mean, how many arguments go away if we take pride out of the equation? You know, I've added in, you know, you imagine a mathematical equation. This is for, for Michael here. You've got, you got numbers and letters and, and stuff and, and, and all this, and it equals hard time in marriage. But what if in that big equation, numbers and letters and stuff, Einsteinian-looking things, you take pride and you just pull it out of the equation altogether, and, and it ends up something better, Right? With a love that's not proud, doesn't boast, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking. Wow. This kind of love is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Again, I'm just, I'm blown away. The the first service didn't get the mathematical equation thing that's that's on the the fly here. And I can't even say it. I just, (laughs) (laughs) I'll get, a, I'll get a review later. She'll go, you know that thing where you just couldn't say anything at all and it just like finally something came out. Just try to smooth that over next time. <laughs> it, you know, but I mean, if you took out of the equation, you know, not keeping a record of wrongs, what happens to relationships? Instead of holding that over you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that go. I'm, I'm forgiving. I'm going to... I'm going to do like God does with our sin. I'm going to put it as far as the east is from the west. I'm going to put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness, freedom, and we get to move forward in that whole deal. He keeps going. He says, this kind of love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It protects, it trusts, it hopes. You know, this, just adding this kind of agape love into a relationship, hope, just hope, just hope. I mean, what happens when there's hope? 
And this kind of love means hope. It's not, it's deeper than how I feel right now in this moment. It perseveres. Love never fails. I love Yancey's, uh, one of our elders is a Bible translator with the Bible League and does training for teams all over the world. And and, and one of his, uh, in their translation, the easy to read version, uh, that last phrase, love never fails, is translated, love, excuse me, is translated, uh, love will never end. I like that. Love will never end. It just makes me think about eternity future and eternity past. Like before the creation of the world, there's God is love. You know, I don't know you, how, much, how much can we philosophically say about what all, you know, but we know that God is love and shared perfect love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And part of His creation plan is to bring us into that love. He predestined us before the creation of the world to be adopted as sons and daughters into this, into this family of love. It's a blow away. It's absolutely incredible. So, you know, I thought about uh, several different ways of illustrating this, this talking about this other-centered love, cross-shaped love. And I, I heard some great stories. Somebody even sent me a, a great story of this girl, and she was engaged to this guy, and, and he had a wreck, and they still got married, and, you know, but it's, it's incredible sacrificial love. I don't know them, I'm, so, but I'm, I want to share a story, and it's, it's, not, a, it's not a marriage. It's, it's actually a story about Kim and her dad, but it's a story of cross-shaped love. I don't know how many were here last year. Kim actually preached right up here. It's been a year, so it's about time to, to get her to, it's hard on her, but, uh, but she shared a story about her dad, and so when she was 13 years old, her dad left their family. And, you know, we just did tr testimonies in the training school just, just recently, and this is a common story. So many of us, broken, you know, relationships with parents and things, and, but her dad left, and it, it was a tremendous, she went to work at 13, just a hardship, you know, just to make, pay bills, and, and it shaped a lot of her story, a lot of her life, a lot of the brokenness that she had to work through, you know, hard things because of this deal with her dad, and, and they didn't have a relationship, so all those years, and... One, she eventually came to know the Lord, and she eventually got married to this really cool guy. <laughs> and uh, so we started pursuing Jesus together. And one, we'd gone through this Bible study, I think it might have been experiencing God, I can't remember exactly, but she, the idea that she could hear God. And so she sits down on the floor, kind of with trepidation, sits down and waits on the Lord, and, and the Father says to her, I will never leave you or forsake you. Like she wasn't asking that question. She wasn't looking for healing, but that was a direct word and just undid her. Just, you know, explosion of healing in her life from all of this wounding from the past. A huge story, you know, in her own life. Well, you know, as time went on, we still didn't have much. We saw her dad at Christmas, basically, and not much relationship. And we started praying for him. We probably prayed for 10 years for him to be saved and one time she has this dream, and, and, uh, and she said, Jamie, in the dream, I was, I was, I, my dad was drowning in a river, and I ran out in the river, and I grabbed him, and I picked him up out of the river, and I said, Dad, do you know Jesus? She goes, do you, do you think that means anything? Am I supposed to talk to him? And I was like, oh, 
I think so. I think it has meaning. And, and she ends up sharing that with him. And two weeks later, nothing happens. It's awkward in the moment. Shares the dream. Do you know Jesus? And two weeks later, he gives his life to the Lord at a cowboy church. He got invited to a cowboy church, gets baptized into Christ. And it starts a deeper kind of relationship with us. But then about five years ago, her dad got onset, early onset Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, kind of all at the same time. And her aunt called and said, Kim, I know this is going to be hard for you, but you, we need you to take care of everything related to your dad. Finances, all this kind of stuff, basically a kind of caregiver from a distance. He lives two hours away in commerce. And, and I mean, the cho- it was a big deal. So you guys go, oh, well, that, that, yeah, that's Jesus. That's what a happy story. But it was a big deal. Like she was being asked to do something for her dad that her dad never did for her. She was being asked to exhibit cross-shaped love and other-centered love in a way that wasn't done in her own life and, and where she needed healing even, big time. And so what's happened in the last five years, it's still a journey. He has good days and, and some days that aren't so good, but the Lord has given them more time together in this healing story, more time in the last five years than in the previous 35. I mean, not even close. You know, just a huge picture of what we're talking about, of cross-shaped love, you know? So how do we move forward with this? How do we apply this kind of love in our relationships and in our lives? And the answer, if you don't know the answer at Christ Fellowship, and you're just like miffed, and what do I say, what do I say, just go, Jesus? Yes, that's exactly right. Talk to Jesus. You know, especially when we're confused about, does, does God speak today? Does, is Jesus still speaking? Is he still speaking to his sheep? Do his sheep still, his sheep still know his voice for real? You know, and this question, what I'm, what I'm saying, Jesus, how can I express your love in my marriage? You're going to get some answers. Jesus, how can I show 1 Corinthians 13 love in my marriage or in my relationships? And you know what? He's going to speak to you. He will give you a next step. And just to make it really, really practical, Jesus, what's the next step? in my relationship with my wife? What's the next step in my relationship with my husband? What's the next step in my relationship with this person, this relationship that I have? And the Lord is so good to lead us. We are not the victims of our feelings. You know, just tied up on the railroad track of our feelings, you know. That's, that's not the truth. That's a lie. It's, it's, it's just not the truth. They come, they go, but we have a deeper foundation in Jesus Christ. And it may seem impossible. It may seem like there's no way forward. There's, uh, not for us, not right now. It can't happen. And there is. There's only one person who can live the Christian life, and his name is Jesus. And we live by his life. And he fills us with his power. And when times change, and they do, when feelings change, and they do, God is pointing us to a deeper love revealed in Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys, stand up. We're going to just respond to God here for a few minutes. Worship team's coming. Ministry team's coming. We'll just take five minutes. But in five minutes, 
something can be sealed in your heart that can change your life. And it's just, it's important that we take a little time. We do this at the end of every service here at Christ Fellowship. And we just take a little time to go, yeah, okay, Lord, I want to go deeper in this area with you. I want to respond to you. I want a relationship with you. I want to, I want to see this love expressed in my life. I want this cross-shaped, other-centered love. And it's not just about marriages. It could be a relationship with a friend. It could be with your children. And it could be about a marriage. It could be about a spouse or a parent or a child. But know this, God wants to see this kind of love flowing in us. He wants us to be identified and marked as people who love one another, that love flows through us to the closest people and to the farthest people around us. So Father, would you meet us today? Lord, if there's in my friends and brothers and sisters that are here, Lord, if there's just something that needs to be prayed over, a stake that needs to be put in the ground to say from this day forward, I want to express that kind of love. Then, Lord, would you give us grace now to respond to you? Sometimes you just need a hand on your shoulder and just somebody praying with faith. Maybe you're, you feel weak about it, but God will give someone else faith to pray that, that healing would come, that love would be released. So, Lord, meet us today. Whatever the need is in our hearts, God, would you just come with power? Holy Spirit, power in the name of Jesus. And bring healing. Make things right. Give us grace to take next steps that reflect you, Jesus. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Amen. Hey, guys, whatever your need is, don't leave without getting someone to pray for you. The front fills up. Just ask someone close by to pray for you in the name of Jesus. Lord, meet us today. We need you, God. Come and get prayer, you guys. Press into God. Amen. Thank you, Lord.